You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi T. Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah@gmail.com, and of course, I will answer as many as I can. You know, it's a real busy, busy season for some of us. I am in the middle of my school dinner. This is our big fundraiser for the year. We hope to have about 400 people by the dinner trying to get the journal put together and all the pages and all the corrections and everybody's running. And and my job is to help everybody stay cool, calm, and collected and get their work done and, of course, do all the other work as well. And I, I was speaking to Paul in the hallway outside, and I said, you know, Paul, I said, I come here to breathe. This is my only chance to, to like, relax and breathe and not uh, have a bunch of people that are for some reason, confused, can't work without instructions. It's a fascinating process, but a wonderful one. And especially now we're getting towards the end, so everything will be beautiful. But here, coming to the studio, everybody loves everybody around here. But today, we are going to discuss when perhaps sibling rivalry um, rears its head. You could decide if there's civil ri- si- sibling rivalry or not. And let's figure it out. Let's get into the this week's Torah portion. So we're up to the Torah portion of Baaloscha, one of my favorite Torah portions, because it was my bar mitzvah parasha. That was my bar mitzvah, it was Baaloscha. It was actually a week off, but still, it was my bar mitzvah. So lots and lots of things happening, but we're going to head all the way towards the end of the Torah portion. And... Just give you a little overview. The elders, Moses, there's Moses, there's Aaron, there's the 70 elders that help Moses with the Jewish people, and they die. They die, they were killed, they deserve to be killed. Um, Whatever the case is, that's not the conversation for today. But they die, and now the people are complaining they want meat. So let's got to back up a little more. So... Back after the Jewish people leave Egypt, we travel for a month. The matzah, the leftover matzah, lasted us miraculously for an entire month. When the month is over, we have no food. People complain to Moses. So Moses, of course, goes to God. God says, you think I bring you out into a desert and I'm not going to take care of you. So you're going to get the mun, that mun, that special bread from heaven, is going to come in the morning. And you're going to get this meat, like a bird meat, called slav in, in Hebrew. Whatever they translate it, I can't imagine that bird really exists now. But a very fatty, delicious bird meat. And they had that meat for a period of time. It's not clear how long. Different commentaries say different things. A couple weeks. Perhaps it was on occasion. Perhaps righteous people got it more often. Again, different possibilities in this meat. It was called meat. So the people here are complaining for meat, which obviously means either the complainers are not getting meat or nobody's getting meat. 
Now, really, you don't need meat. There's no reason for them to have meat. They have the man. The man is this spiritual food. It is a perfect food. You don't need meat. Why are they complaining? Different possibilities. Um, one interesting reason I saw why they wanted meat was they figured, God's not going to give us meat. He's going to tell us, go buy it from traveling salesmen. Now, there was definitely things that they needed in the desert or in these clouds, but let's say they had to bring a flower sacrifice. There's no flower. It's not growing wheat. They need wine. They need grapes. They need olives for oil. There is no food growing for them in the desert. That's for sure. So what happens? Like every good society, you, you see customers, you bring the needs to the customers. You find out what they need, you bring it to this traveling salesman. They can buy stuff. But they knew, you know, most of the time in the 40 years, God's giving them this special food. They don't have permission to buy other food. So they figure, let's complain for meat. That way, we can get, we don't have to rely on this spiritual food. We will get meat. And Moses will say, go buy it. Now, don't bother me. You want meat? Go buy. Like, what's the big deal? Now, we got to take it a step further. Why? they want to be able to buy from traveling salesmen. So fascinating. The rule was that depending on your level of trust in God, depended on how, where, what your mun look like. So for example, you're a righteous person, you walk out, it's right there by your doorstep. You're not as religious, you're not such a good guy, maybe it was down the block. And if you were a bad guy, maybe you sinned, maybe you slandered, I don't know, your mun could be miles away. How you knew where it was, I don't know. My third graders ask me, everybody asks, you knew, maybe there were arrows pointing the way. In other words, you couldn't take anybody else's, so you just kept walking till you ran into mun that you could fill up your uh, bag with or basket or whatever, however you carried it home. So imagine for a second that... Uh, George over here is a horrible fellow, and his mun is miles away. Now, the father has to go out and get it for the whole family. So he travels, he walks, it takes him a couple hours, he gets home, and now it has to be prepared, right? It's just kernels. You got to grind it up and add water and then bake it. This is a, all of a sudden, breakfast, which should have been at 8 o'clock, is not happening till 1 o'clock. What do you think George's children are saying? Hey, Dad. Hey, Pops. How come uh, our neighbors finished breakfast five hours ago and we're still waiting? Were you bad yesterday? Did you misbehave? I bet when you said that lush and horror, that's why you're being punished. So there was a constant, consistent test going on that if you weren't up to snuff, if you weren't perfect, if you weren't behaving properly, you knew the next morning and your children knew. Some people don't like to live that way. I imagine I I don't know if I could live that way. That's hard. I mean, we're talking, this is a level you can't imagine. I give an example to my students. I say, just imagine if every day, as soon as you got home, there was a full report of how every minute of your day was. This minute he wasn't paying attention. This minute he turned around. This minute he was playing with his pencil. This minute he spaced out. Nobody wants that. I want to go home. I want my mother to say, how was school? And I get to say, great. 
I don't want to hear I misbehaved, I wasn't perfect, I wasn't focused. I don't want to hear that. But this is how the Jewish people lived in the desert, a very, very high level. But what if you don't want to live on that high level? So what do you do? No problem. I buy food from traveling salesmen. That way, my kids want to know where's breakfast? Right here. Today, guys, breakfast is here at 8.30. Amazing. Wow, you must have behaved. I'll repent. I'll figure out the rest of the story later. Or I'll just keep buying from traveling salesmen. That was what was behind this complaint for meat. We don't want, or those that complained, no longer wanted to live with this high level of spirituality. They wanted to be, we'll call it, normal. Okay. So, uh, they, so God doesn't like the complaint. Uh, God tells Moses they're going to get meat because they asked for it. And they're going to be punished for asking for this meat. And Moses sort of punishment. And Moses says, God, I can't handle this anymore. I'm all alone. I can't carry this whole nation. I need help. So God says, fine. We're going to choose new, uh, it's called shoftim, or new zikanim. How are we going to choose these new zikanim, these new elders? So two parts to the, to the process of choosing new elders. Part, obviously, have to be fitting. But they were coming from the people who were the foremen in Egypt. In other words, in Egypt, the Egyptians set up that you have your slaves, and then you have your foreman over the slaves. So each group of, let's say, for arguments like 10, 20, 100, who cares? Um, this is your quota, your group's bricks, and we have a Jewish person in charge. That way, this we want, the Egyptians felt, that these Jewish foremen will beat the Jewish brethren who are not doing enough work. And it was impossible to do all the work. So the Jewish foreman is going to have to beat the Jewish workers. These foremen did not beat their brethren. Unfortunately, you have the capos in uh, in uh, in Nazi Germany, and you have the Yesvexi, I think it's pronounced, in Russia. So uh, the same concept, the Jew tattling on Jew, worked throughout history, except didn't work in Egypt. So from those people came the new elders. Now, there was a problem. Because there's 12 tribes and only 70 elders. So all of you that are math majors know most of the tribes can get six people, right? Um, Ten out of the 12 tribes can have six representatives. Two of those tribes can only have five representatives. Okay, so how do you pick? So there's going to be a lottery. When these new elders were being chosen, so after they're chosen, they have to all go into the um, into the tabernacle, the Mishkan area, and Moses will receive a prophecy, almost like a candle, and the prophecy will go to all these elders, and they will also prophesy. That will make them special. People will see they're special. That's sort of the inauguration for these new elders. And now... We're getting to the part of the story that I wanted to get to. Moses' wife, her name is Tsipora. At Mount Sinai, we just finished the Shavuot holiday, at Mount Sinai, when God told Moses to tell all the people to go home, meaning you're now permitted to go back to your wife, Moses got hinted to, and Moses also took it on his own, um, but you, Moses, you stick, you stick around with me, meaning you're not going home. 
and that is when a when a man will have relations with his wife, he has a certain level of impurity which will not allow him to talk to God. If God talks to him, he's got to be in tremendous pain because he has this impurity. He could go to a what's called a mikvah. He could go dump himself in water. Now he's pure. Now he can talk to God, no problem. But that's good for a regular person. God's not talking to you too often anyways. And half the time, if not more, when God is going to talk to the prophet, the prophet prepares himself and gets ready for it. So the prophet is in a very spiritual, pure state. But Moses is talking to God all the time. So since he's talking to God all the time, it it doesn't work to be married. So Moses is the only person in Jewish history that God actually says you're not supposed to be married. But for the rest of us normal people, God wants, demands that we're supposed to be married. This is what God wants, procreation, keep the world going, etc., etc. Now, Zipporah is Moses' wife. She didn't tell anybody that Moses is, for the most part, separated from her. Nobody noticed. Moses is busy anyways. He didn't divorce her, but he separated from her. But really nobody knew. So what happened was, so all the Jewish people are crowded around, around the tabernacle, and they see all the new elders that they are prophesying. And Zipporah, Moses' wife, and Zipporah's sister-in-law, Miriam, are talking. And probably offhanded, not realizing, Zipporah says to Miriam, I feel bad for their wives. Miriam says, what? Yeah, Moses separated from me because he talks to God all the time. Now these guys are talking to God, they're going to have to separate from their wives. Miriam says to herself, one second. That's not acceptable. I once was a prophet. My brother Aaron, he's a prophet. And we're married. It's not a problem. It's not a contradiction for somebody who's a prophet to be married. So Miriam goes to brother Aaron. Now her intention was good. right? I tell you before, we're going to talk about sibling rivalry or siblings taking care of each other. So Miriam's intention was really, really very good. Her intention was that we got to make sure Moses hangs out with his wife. There's, there's no excuse. So you're a prophet. I'm also a prophet. Aaron's also a prophet. We're married. You'll also be married. So she went and tells her brother Aaron with the intention that let's go back to Moses and let's make this thing work. Anyways, that qualifies as slander. And it also was was a, was a, I don't say proof, but it showed that Miriam did not understand who Moses was. And maybe none of us understood who Moses was. So God calls Miriam and Aaron to meet with him by the tabernacle with Moses, and it seems they were impure, and they're suffering. And God says to them, you think you know Moses? You think Moses does things on his own? That's ridiculous. There's no one like Moses. He's the only one that talks to me face to face. Um, He is my trusted servant. Um, How dare you say anything negative about Moses? Then Miriam, God will remove his presence. Miriam gets leprosy. She gets saras. And then Moses has a fascinating prayer, seemingly a very short prayer. But he says, Kale, no, please God. 
Refana, please heal her. Five words. Okay. So first thing, it's a pretty short prayer. So the commentaries ask, why such a short prayer? So the answer that if Moses would sit there with a long, drawn-out prayer, so people would say, uh, for his sister, he has no problem praying. How come he can't pray for the rest of us like that? So therefore, Moses made a very, very short prayer. However, the Zerashimshin takes it a step further. If Moses wants a short prayer, why five words? Use two words. God, heal her. Rafala, right? Heal her. What's God, please heal, please her? What sort of pleases over here? Just say, God, heal her. That's it. Why so? So the Zerashimshin says, you want it short? I can make it even shorter. That's like the fish joke where the guy uh, was selling fish and they, they changed the sign to that you don't need anything because you can smell the store and you obviously he's selling them and the whole sign gets wiped out. But anyways, so very interesting The Zerashimshin says that we're learning here from Moses that when we ask for a favor, right? I'm asking God to heal my sister in Moses' case. Or, but really, whenever we're asking anyone for anything, instead of being so curt and getting straight to the point, you have to start with pleasant words, even to God. But certainly, when we're talking to others. So Moses is teaching us, when you want to pray, when you want to ask a person for a favor, first start with something pleasant. Start with something nice. Please. All right? Please, God. Please heal her. All right, please, just a little pleasantness. Now, interesting, um, it says that Moses, like, cried out, right? Why? Why does he have to cry out? Why does he have to scream? As a matter of fact, it's really fascinating. You're not supposed to scream when you pray to God because it makes it sound like, that God, you're so far away, so you can't hear me, I'm going to scream louder, which is, of course, ridiculous. So... What's Moses doing that he's screaming out? So it's a very interesting law. Even though we're supposed to pray quietly, but when we want to teach our children how to pray, we can pray out loud. So our children will hear how we pronounce the words. Our children will hear how we pray. So it's a learning tool. And as of course, normally if I'm with a regular minion, I'm regular in, in, in synagogue praying. So yeah, I pray quietly to myself. I'm not screaming out. But if my kids are watching me pray, maybe I'm home. So pray out loud. Let them see. Let them hear. Let them understand what's going on. So now, so it comes out like this. So Moses, first of all, has to speak out loud so that people can hear how we pray and how we talk to others by first going ahead and using nice words. Okay, one more point over here, interesting, the verse says that Moses, the, the verse says straight out, Moses is the most humble person. Humble does not mean you're a doormat. Humble does not mean everybody's allowed to trample all over you. That's not the idea of humble. The, the, and as the problem over here is that Aaron and Miriam are comparing themselves to Moses. Right? In other words, God speaks to Moses God could speak. God speaks to us. 
this that God chose Moses? Okay, God chose Moses to give the Torah, but it's really in the merit of the Jewish people, but not because Moses is the one. That's what they thought. Well, prophets, you're no different than the rest of us. On that, God says, no, no, no. The reason that Moses deserves that God should speak to him is because Moses is the most humble. Now, what does humble mean? Interesting, humble means that you recognize that everything comes from God. The concept of being humble is that I'm nothing. Not that I'm nothing. I, maybe I'm a leader. Moses knew he was a leader. I'm a very smart person. Moses knows he's a very smart person. That's not what humble is. Humble is, you know why I'm smart? Because God let me be smart. You know why I have leadership qualities? God gave me leadership qualities. Everything I have is just because God wants it that way. As soon as God doesn't want it that way, then, then I don't have it. That, that recognition and living with that recognition, Moses was the most humble person. And therefore, God says, no. Moses, he tells Aaron and Miriam, you're not understanding. Moses is not like anybody else. Only Moses could have brought down the Torah to the Jewish people. He can talk to me while he's standing, while he's alive, while he's awake, because of his amazing humbleness. So I know time is flying, and it's about sibling rivalry. So I saw a beautiful story. The story takes place in Israel. And there's a lady. She goes into the bakery, and she would like to buy, she's having some company, she would like to buy a cake in the bakery for Shabbos. But she doesn't know what to get. She obviously doesn't go um, shopping in the bakery often. She sees the seven layer, and she sees the chocolate cake, and she sees the pecan pie, and the Boston cream pie, and the apple strudel. She's lost. She's just standing there looking, what cake should I buy? So one of the bakers walks over and says, ma'am, can I help you? Yeah, you know, I have company, and I, I just don't know what to buy. So he points up to the shelf. He says, up there we have a delicious cinnamon nut cake. It's perfect for adults. And it happens to be on sale. You buy one, you get the second one half off. So the lady says, look, I don't even need a whole cake for myself. Right? What am I going to do with two cakes? That is, Baker was a very good salesman. So the baker says, why don't you give it as a present to somebody? You must have someone who would appreciate a present. She said, that's such a good idea. I have a brother. He lives in this neighborhood. But I don't have a car. I don't drive. I take taxis. How am I going to get it to him? So the baker says, you know, I happen to live in the neighborhood. Where does he live? So he lives, lives in uh, Building 15. Oh, Building 15? No problem. I'll drop it off. Okay. She takes her cake home. And she tells again, my brother's name is Yitz Friedman. Okay. Anyways, she forgets about it. And uh, on Shabbos, she's serving the cake. She says, hey, you know, that baker said he was delivering cake to my brother. Um, how come my brother didn't call me and tell me that, uh, thank you? Okay, let me call him after Shabbos. After Shabbos, she calls her brother. And she says, did you get a cake? I sent a cake to you on, uh, for Shabbos. Cake? I didn't get no cake. Didn't get any cake. Why that crook of a baker? He made me pay for that second cake. And he said he was going to deliver the cake to you. And he probably resold that cake. So the brother said, come on, slow down. It's not so bad. Uh, maybe there's something to the story. Not going to be something to the story. He says, well, 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 go find out. Okay, next day she goes to the bakery. 
She says, um, to the baker, I thought you said you were delivering the cake to my brother. I did deliver the cake to your brother. You said, Yitz Friedman in building 15. I went into that building, and on the first floor, there's a Yitz Friedman. He says, first floor? My brother lives on the third floor. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But the, the door thing said, the Yitz Friedman. I handed him, I said, are you Yitz Friedman? I said, this is from your sister. She says, oh, man, okay. Very good, I'm sorry. So she figures, let's find out what happened to the story. Let's, uh, what can I get out of this cake? She calls up, she gets the phone number, she calls up this Yitz Friedman's house, he lives in the same building. She speaks to the wife. And she says, did you receive a cake as a gift before Shabbos? She says, yes. I, she says, well, I, I want to tell you the truth. You know, it was supposed to be for my brother, but the baker delivered it. You guys have the same name. He delivered it to the wrong family. So the lady says, that cake, we're going to have to finish this story in the next show. So we're going to save this story. This is an amazing, amazing story. But the music is playing, and I cannot finish it now. So I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you to all, of course, to all wonderful sponsors. Listen, you know, I can't do it without you. Thank you to my production team in the back. We have new people, David, Cisco, Andy, and Jenna's back there today. I have a lesson on Food for Thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Tree Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it.